The following audio is from Delta Church in Springfield, Illinois. Our purpose is to proclaim the gospel through the church to a world that needs Jesus Christ. We pray this sermon will aid and encourage your daily walk with Jesus. For more information about Delta, you can visit us online at deltachurch.net. It's funny that she says that because uh, when Mallory first asked me to speak on hospitality, I thought, why is she asking me? <laughs> and, and started to second-guess myself um, because, as many of you know, hospitality is hard. It's not always easy. And um, with little kids um, at home right now, I've got three, four, and under, um, it can be busy and it can be hard. And so I was kind of entering into a, a stage of grumbling through hospitality, Um, and so this has been really good for me. Um, Preparing for this has been really good because God is good, and um, as I've prepared prepared for today, he's renewed my desire to um, be hospitable well with a right heart um, and uh, realign my focus to him instead of myself and my circumstances, and so all of what I'm about to share with you is a work of progress in my own home, but especially in my own heart. Um, so I'm learning right along with you. I also think it's really cool how um, God just orchestrates things. Um, I'm sure it's through Mallory's careful planning, but just hearing what Bobby Jean had to say about um, being kind and being conduits of God's kind- kindness for other people, and then um, part of what Andrea had to say and um, Hannah, too, just kind of flows together um, because hospitality is showing kindness to other people. So the practicality of what uh, Bobby Jean had to say, hopefully we'll be able to take some of that home. Um, But before I start, let's pray. Um, Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the women here. We thank you for the grace that you have given us. Um, We pray that we would glorify you in what we talk about today um, and especially as we leave here. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So as I was thinking about today, I found myself reliving vacations. Um, For those of you who know me, you know uh, one of my love languages is food. Um, I love to eat, and I also love to to cook for people. Um, And so when Brian and I go on vacation, that's a lot of times the center of what we do. We find restaurants, we take pictures of our food, that's what we remember. Um, Some of you have been in my kitchen, there's a wall of all of our favorite things that we've eaten on different vacations. Um, So before Audrey was born, we had the opportunity to travel to Italy and then to France and uh, a couple of last hurrahs, you know, before kids and um, couldn't afford it. And I'm really glad that we went. It's just left us with a lot of fond um, memories. And uh, one of the things that we noticed while we were there was how both the Italians and the French spent a lot of time around the table. Um, dinner was a meal to be celebrated, to stretched out, um, stretched out a uh, way to end the day. It wasn't something that you just rushed through, you put food on the table and then got everybody done and, and went, on, went on your way. It was something where people lingered and uh, just talked with one another, spent time together. And so um, that atmosphere of lingering at the table um, just stuck, stuck with me. Um, and I think that Brian and I seek for that while we're here in the United States on date nights. And so you know, Hannah was talking about a lot of the places that you can go in Springfield. And so when Brian and I go on a date, um, we're looking to be refreshed. We're looking to linger, reconnect, um, just spend time together. And uh, 
I think that moments like those, vacation, date nights, they stand in stark contrast to our everyday hustle-bustle, sometimes isolated American culture um, and life. And so we long for them because we long to slow down. We long to be real, and we, we long to be refreshed and connect with one another. And I believe that Christian hospitality is exactly that for the world that we live in. Christian hospitality can offer that same contrast and appeal to, um, to the isolation, um, to, to the hurt that our world often brings, just like we long for vacation and date nights. Um, and so when we offer our homes to people, when we offer people into our lives, we're hoping that they'll see the love that we have the way that we serve people and we fellowship um, with one another and the community that we enjoy. So Christian hospitality invites them in to that community, and then hopefully we can share the gospel with them and they can see the ultimate hospitality that we have in Jesus Christ. Um, So today I do want to talk about why we practice biblical hospitality, some of the goals that we have um, for it, and then get into a little bit of practical things that will make it a little bit easier and more automatic for us to open up our homes. So first, I want us to look at some scripture and a couple of quotes on hospitality. The New Testament is littered with imperatives on being hospitable. I looked up, if you do just a quick Google um, search or even on your ESV app, your Bible app, and you just look up the word hospitable or hospitality, it specifically, those, those two words are listed six different times in the New Testament, and three of those are followed by the command to love one another. So I thought that was really interesting. So let's look at two of those. Um, They're not up on the screen behind me, but if you want to, you can look in your Bible or you can just listen. Romans 12, verses 9 through 13 say, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And then the next one that I want us to look at together is 1 Peter 4, verses 8 and 9. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. That's hard. Um, (laughs) But we can do it, um, not through our own strength, but through the strength of the Holy Spirit. Um, This should be, the next slide should be a quote. Um, John Kleinschmidt is the elder over community groups, and hopefully most of you were here as we were going through the hospitality study. Just... um, really good for my soul, and I've seen just the works of it in all of you. Um, I've just been encouraged by how you have opened your homes and and cared for one another, but one of the books that John used was The Simplest Way to Change the World, Biblical Hospitality as a Way of Life. Dustin Wilson and Brandon Clements state that the core of biblical hospitality is, at its core, the the practice of biblical hospitality is obeying the command in Romans 15.7, to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. It's receiving others into our lives, into relationship, and yes, even into our homes. It welcomes Christians as a way to walk in truth that we've been made family through the gospel. 
and it welcomes non-Christians in an attempt to model and extend the gracious invitation we've received from God and Christ. So then um, next I want us to read Matthew 25, 31 through 40. I think that should be behind us as well. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Um, From this scripture, we can see that biblical hospitality isn't limited to having people in our homes. Um, Being hospitable involves caring for others, providing for their needs, making them feel welcome. And we can do that wherever we are because we are vessels of the Holy Spirit. And that is... That's our call. We are to be hospitable to an inhospitable world wherever we are. But for the sake of today, I want us to focus on being hospitable in our homes, inviting people into our homes because when you invite someone into your home, you're inviting them into deeper intimacy and relationship with you. You're allowing them to see who you really are at your core. And hopefully when they see who you are at your your core, they're going to see that you are Jesus. Um, to a dark world, that you belong to Christ. Um, One of the ways that I've I've seen this play out is with a relationship with Aaliyah. Um, A lot of you have heard about my friend from Aldi uh, through the countdown to Christmas that we're going to have here in a few weeks. The first one we had last year, um, I invited Aaliyah to it. Aaliyah is a friend that we've met strictly at Aldi. Until I invited her to the countdown for Christmas, she didn't even know my first name. Um, we, we interacted with each other because of my daughter, Audrey, and Audrey asking who she was, and we just slowly learned a little bit more about one another. Um, I was pretty sure that she wasn't a believer based on some of the things that she said, but until I invited her here, until she felt the hospitality that we have at our church, I didn't know very much about her. And then once I learned more about her, I then invited her to our home. Not not because I learned more about her, but because we wanted to get to know her better. Because how much can you really get to know someone from an interaction in the grocery store? How much can you really get to know someone from an interaction at work? When you bring people into your home, that's where God can really work and, and use you and use your family as a picture of the gospel and as a way to um, deepen intimacy with believers, too. Um, so that being said, I want you to take a few minutes and with the people around you, think about the scriptures that we've read, think about your own experiences, think about the quote from Dustin Wilson and Brandon Clements, and talk about what you think our goals in inviting people into our homes. What does biblical hospitality in our home look, not necessarily what should it look like, but what should its purpose 
be. Um, and then give, take just a few minutes to talk about that, and we're going to shout them out and just write up a few of our ideas on the board. So take a few minutes and talk about what should our purpose be in inviting people into our homes. Okay, so who, who wants to share? What what'd you, what'd you come up with? What do you think? What is our purpose in having people into our homes? What's our purpose in practicing biblical hospitality? Getting to know people, yeah. I'm left-handed, so. Getting to know people. What else? Shout it out. Invest in them. I like that. Anything else? Anything else anyone wants to add? About being real with each other. Yeah. bridges the gap and helps to paint a picture of the grace that we've received. Yeah. Okay. This is really good, guys. Thanks. Um, One way that I would just kind of put these together is, you know, it deepens the community, the relationship that we have with one another. And you're right, we can care and serve those around us. And then, um, yeah, just being real. And it is, it's out of a love for Jesus. Um, And we paint a picture for the gospel, so it's awesome. Um, So thinking about knowing what those purposes and those goals are, we're still left with all the details, right? Um, It's not easy. Uh, If you're like me, you think, okay, I'm going to have these people over for dinner. I've got 15 things I need to do in an hour and a half before the kids wake up from nap. What do I do? Um... And, and then, so it, it can be overwhelming, um, but I want you to see through, the next slide is um, a quote from Jen Wilkin, 
I want you to see what hospitality isn't. Um, I think she paints a really great picture of that. She explains the difference between hospitality and entertaining like this. Entertaining involves setting the perfect tablescape after an exhaustive search on Pinterest. It chooses a menu that will impress and then frets its way through each stage of preparation. It requires every throw pillow to be in place, every cobweb to be eradicated, every child to be neat and orderly. It plans extra time to don the perfect outfit before the first guest touches the doorbell on the seasonally decorated doorstep. And should any element of the plan fall short, entertaining perceives the entire evening to have been tainted. Entertaining focuses attention on self. Ouch. <laughs> right, right there for me. And um, by the way, those of you who are in my community group, you know that none of those things are ever done. <laughs> uh, I think there are cobwebs on, well, I... I left a mum from last fall that Brian, Brian finally moved <laughs> on, my, on my front doorstep. Um, but the next part, hospitality involves setting a table that makes everyone feel comfortable. It chooses a menu that allows face time with guests instead of being chained to the stovetop. It picks up the house to make things pleasant, but doesn't feel the need to conceal evidences of everyday life. Amen, am I right? It sometimes sits down to dinner with flour in its hair. It allows the gathering to be shaped by the quality of the conversation rather than the cuisine. Hospitality shows interest in the thoughts, feelings, pursuits, and preferences of its guests. It is good at asking questions and listening intently to answers. Hospitality focuses attention on others. Entertaining seeks to impress. Hospitality seeks to bless. What a relief right? Um, I know it is for me. So I want you to take a few minutes again and think about a time when you have felt really welcomed and comfortable in someone else's home. Why? What made you feel welcome there? Talk to each other for a few minutes and then we'll share. Let's go ahead and turn back around. Tell me, what makes you feel welcome? What makes you feel like you can be yourself? You can be comfortable? Still talking about it. <laughs> yeah, Andrea? That's the tone. Yeah. It's yeah. good. It's good. What else? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. It's good. So it's okay to fail, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Over here, want to share?
That's good. That's good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So can I point out that not one of you mentioned clean floors, clean bathroom, uh, picked up toys, a great meal? Why do we worry about those details, right? They don't matter. That's not what we walk away from someone's home thinking about. We think about how we felt, right? It's the atmosphere that we create. And so my hope for us today is that we walk away thinking, I don't have to cook. I, I don't have to clean my house before people come over. Full disclosure, my cleaning day is Thursday, the day after a community group. Um, so, you know, you, you can have people over and not worry about the things that so often take our focus. Um, it's about your heart. It's about your heart and your love for other people and your desire to fellowship with them and let them see Jesus. Um, so let that be an encouragement. So why do we focus on the details? Why do we focus on, oh man, I haven't dusted in months. Um, why do we focus on, I've got to prepare this perfect meal. What's, what's going on in our hearts? Um, let's, get, let's get to that. Talk a little bit more. Why? Why do we focus on the things that don't matter? Okay, so just, I'm sure we all came to similar conclusions, but um, why? <laughs> What's going on in our hearts? Um, why do we focus on the things that don't matter? Anybody want to share? Yeah, Megan. your own insecurities and what did was it you ginger that said it's the failures that make other people you know seeing that there's perfect is not the standard right that's good anybody else Neither do any of us, right? Yeah. Yeah. And why don't we have our stuff together? We don't have our stuff together because of sin, right? We are, we are sinful people, and um, we're ensnared, ensnared by it. And Satan is a master 
deceiver, and he wants us to focus on what doesn't matter. He wants us to be looking at the things that aren't real and lasting instead of at Jesus and instead of our, our purpose, our, our intent. And so, um, yeah, let's fight against it, right? Um, I'm going to share a couple of my own vulnerabilities in it, and then I want you guys to maybe, if you feel comfortable, share some of your own vulnerabilities with each other. And then we're going to look at some scripture that we can use to fight against those things. Um, when we first started hosting CG, I, has, I had to ask Brian, it was six or seven years ago, I feel really, <laughs> really old when I, when I say that, um, but I remember just being consumed with, my house has to be picked up, and oh, I've got this pile of mail over here that I haven't dealt with in forever, and the bathroom's dirty, I better close the shower curtain because there's mold in the corner, you know, all, the, all those little things that everybody deals with. Um, and I remember Brian, it was an offhanded comment, but it hit me to the core. He said, our home is lived in. It's okay for it to look that way. And that has really stuck with me, and he's been really gracious, um, gracious in that. And while that's true, ultimately, God has shown me that what I was really seeking was approval from other people. Um, I wasn't seeking my identity in Christ. I wasn't seeking approval from him. And so um, through lots of practice and continual hosting, I've been able to let go a little bit more and, um, and understand that a less than perfect house allows me to be real with the people who are coming to my home. Um, and it allows me to focus on what I need, what I need to. It doesn't mean that I don't still eye the two giant baskets of laundry that need to be folded when my mother-in-law arrives a little early. Um, I know I can't be the only one who has laundry constantly <laughs> needing to be folded. Um, presently, I think in this stage of life with little kids, my, my vulnerability is um, cleaning up afterwards. Uh, you just feel tired. And I, I hesitate in saying that because I never want any of you, when you're in my home, to feel uncomfortable leaving a mess. Because if you leave a mess, I've done my job well. <laughs> You've been comfortable enough to be yourselves, and I've been present with you rather than um, worrying about cleaning up the dishes or picking up the toys. Um, and so God's continued to work on my heart in that. I remember when Brian and I were looking for a home, we were living in a small duplex, and we were hosting community group, and we asked God, like, God, give us a home where we can host comfortably. And he did that. And so I have to remind myself that it's, it's not my home. He's given it to us to steward well. And I feel like when we look at it through that lens, that we are stewards of what God has given us, then it allows our hands to be a little more open. Um, so, yeah, steward it well because what do I want to remember at the end of the night? What do I want my kids to remember when they look back on their childhood? What do I want my guests to remember as they're going home? Is it me being anal about the carpet or my kids' toys getting broken? Or is it me trying to listen and engage and really be present with people? And so again, it comes back to, back to our hearts. Um, so I found, too, that I found like um, comfort in a new kind of rhythm that Brian and I have. After guests leave, we put the kids to bed, and then he helps me, and we clean up together. And as we're cleaning up together, we're talking about the conversation that we had, and it's just sweet just to process it together and remember um, the things that we enjoyed or, or just to remind each other, hey, we probably need to follow up with them on 
on this or that. And so um, cleaning up isn't as painful, <laughs> you know, as, as it used to be. And like I said, um, I say that to show my heart and where God has redeemed um, what was actually kind of just selfish, you know, the comfort of, I just want to sit down. Um, but that's okay because God is good and he's called us to, to other things. So please don't come over to my house and say, let me pick up. I want you to just be there and enjoy. Um, yeah, so obviously my focus in both of those things was inward rather than on others and ultimately on Christ. But God can show me where I'm erring in my purpose and in my priorities. So I know that we all find ourselves in those same situations, right? Um, just for the sake of time, just think about that for a second. Like where, where is it that you find yourself when you're thinking about opening up your home? Where do you know, man, I really need to change my perspective on that. You know, God, open my eyes to see where I need to see you um, more in it. And, uh, and know that ultimately we, we can't do it on our own. It's through the work of the Holy Spirit and through Scripture that we can remind ourselves of truth. So a couple of things that have just really um, been good for my soul is to remember that our time, our homes, our possessions— are not our own. We need to steward them well. Psalm 24, 1 says, the earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants belong to the Lord. And something else um, that really helps my heart, we should do all things for God's glory because we love him. Like we saw in Matthew 25, we're doing it because we're doing it unto the Lord, unto, unto Jesus. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says something similar. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. How much easier it is to do something that you don't want to do when you think, I'm doing this for Jesus. This is an act of worship. Um, makes it a little bit easier for me. And then also when, when it comes down to the nitty-gritty and you just don't want to, um, we belong to God. As I'm trying to teach my children, we submit to his authority, right? Um, therefore, we obey him. First John 5, 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So now that we've gotten to the heart of biblical hospitality, welcoming others into our home, setting an atmosphere of welcome, as God has graciously welcomed us, Let's talk about some of the practical things that can make it just a little bit easier and maybe or more automatic. Um, so some of the hurdles, we all have hurdles and excuses, right? Um, those things that keep us from opening our home. Um, and so some of those that, uh, that I've found for myself, it's not enough time. The cost of planning um, a meal for other people, maybe not wanting to cook or, you know, maybe not enjoying cooking, um, and even crazy kids. Anybody else there, there with me? Yes. Crazy kids in a messy house, right? Um, I'm sure you've got your own, but hopefully you can resonate with at least one of those things with me. So let's just take a few minutes to talk about some of those things and how we can um, speak truth to our hearts in it and also realize that it's okay. Um, not, having, not having enough time I feel like that's something that we all struggle with, right? We're all busy. We all have a full schedule. But being intentional about being hospitable has really helped Brian and me. So we try to sit down um, at the beginning of a month, and we have a blank calendar. We look at what we've got going on for the month, and we pick 
one or two dates where we say, okay, we, this day is free, let's have somebody over. And then we think through, okay, who haven't we connected with or who would benefit from just some encouragement or not having to fix a meal that night. And, um, and so, uh, like I said, just one or two nights a month. Maybe not that much for you at first, maybe just one, but being intentional in setting, setting yourself up for success rather than just expecting it to happen because we all know that it doesn't happen when we do that, right? So um, intentionality. Think about your family rhythm and see if there's a particular style of hosting. Like Andrea mentioned, you know, it's easier when it's um, more casual and it's, it's snacks and things. Build, um, build on your strengths, you know, build on what feels good for you because when you're present and you feel comfortable, your guests are going to feel more comfortable. Maybe you like to invite people over um, after church for lunch. I know um, other people, I, I think the readers were really good about that. You know, before kids, they'd say, hey, we're going to go here for lunch. You want to come with us? And I, I know I've heard Tara and John say that before community group, they, they like to have people over for, for dinner say, hey, you know, come over for dinner and then you can stay for community group. So find something that works for your family. It doesn't have to look like what everybody else does. Find what works for you. Know, um, know your limitations and your boundaries. Know your stage of life. Grad school, my goodness, girl. Uh, yeah, you, you don't have a lot of time and that's okay. Little kids, it's going to look different. Um, yeah, so just know your stage of life and, and don't expect your, your hospitality to look like someone else's. The, the goal is just for you to be faithful in it. Um, <clears throat> one thing that has helped me is once you've got it on your calendar, do a little extra planning. Maybe decide what you're going to have to eat so that you have a little bit of time um, around that date right before it, maybe the day before or even the, af the afternoon of to do as much prep work as you can. Um, then I don't feel as hurried and as stressed I can rest when my guests are actually there if I plan a meal that can be prepared before. And then something else that has helped Brian and I um, have more of a, an open mindset with hospitality is just talking about that and saying, okay, hey, if we have a free night where either we've got canceled plans or we just know, hey, Amanda's going to make a big pot of chili. I know Andrea and I have talked about this. You know, you, you know you're going to have a ton of leftovers, so why not invite someone in? It's not any extra work because you're already going to make it. Um, just say, hey, you guys want to come over. And if it doesn't work, fine, you can go through. I mean, there have been nights where we've gone through five sets of people. And we're like, okay, well, maybe we're not supposed to have anybody over tonight. But, um, but you try, you know, and it's okay. Um, but that willing frame of mind to say, it's an easy opportunity. Let's call somebody up um, who hasn't enjoyed or thought, hey, that sounds great. Um, so yeah, consider inviting someone to join you with that. Um, next, I want to kind of lump together a few excuses that we, that we may have. Um, maybe the expense of feeding others, not knowing what to cook, and uh, the time, too. Um, I want your input on this because I know you ladies have a lot of great ideas and um, we've got some good cooks amongst us. And so um, we're going to talk about a few things, but then I want you to share some of your go-to meals. So be thinking about that. Um, before we do that, I want us to remember that our focus in hospitality is not presenting a perfectly cooked gourmet meal. It's spending quality time with people, seeking to bless them and deepen our relationship with them. So some of the things that have helped me keep my heart right in that, um, meaning I don't break the budget. 
I don't kill myself to prepare um, and clean up. It helps me, um, helps me to be more willing uh, to host regularly if I, if I do a few things. And the first thing is choosing the right food or meal. And what I mean by that is choosing reasonably priced meals that can be easily prepped in advance. Um, we're not talking about French cuisine here, right? We're talking about down-home, good cooking, something that you make every week you feel comfortable with. Um, if you don't overspend on what you're going to serve to your guests, you're going to be able to host more often, right? And if you are able to prep before, if you're able to um, just know the recipe and, and do it well, you're not going to be as overworked and you're going to be freed to be present with your guests and not as tired at the end of the evening. Sometimes um, this means having people over for dessert or snacks, right? If you're in a really busy season of life, if you've got little kids, wait until they go to bed and then say, hey, we're going to, I know Andrea and Jason have done this a lot, we're going to have a fire in the backyard. You guys want to come over and join us. Or, you know, if the budget is really stretched, but you, you feel that pull to be hospitable, just say, hey, I'm going to bake a, a pan of brownies. You know, Aldi, I think you can get them for 89 cents a box, you know. So you can just bake a pan of brownies and have somebody over. It doesn't have to be um, extravagant. What if you can't cook? <laughs> um, by all means, order pizza, order takeout, or say, hey, I've got chips and salsa, cheese and crackers. Let's do this. You know, it doesn't have to be big. People are going to be blessed by whatever you provide, especially if you aren't stressing over something that you don't enjoy. Um, something else that has really helped me um, is to utilize my pantry and my freezer. I always try to keep the basics for simple meals and, and snacks on hand um, so that my hospitality isn't stifled in the moment, like if we have an unexpected guest or um, a need arises that, hey, I want to take somebody food. I've got things on hand so I can quickly say, yeah, I can whip that up or I can pull it out of my freezer and I can take it over to them quickly. Um, so think about the things that you usually keep in your house anyway. Um, our house, we always, always have popcorn. We always have chips and salsa. We always have cheese and crackers, fresh veggies. I always keep a brownie mix on hand, um, just something that you can pull out. You know, lemonade mix is really easy to just dump it in and fill it with water and stir it up. Um, I has. I'll, I'll tell you. So um, when Brian and I were, one of the first years we were married, bless his heart, he got me a deep freezer on Valentine's Day. Um, you, cannot, <laughs> you cannot tell him I told you that because I, <laughs> um, his intention was very good. And it has been a blessing, but it's not exactly the gift that you think of for Valentine's Day. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, rem I remember coming home, he's like, I got you something, it's in the basement. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and like, Great, <laughs> but, um, but his heart was good, and it has. It has been a huge blessing because I am like my grandma Schulte. I put everything in the freezer, um, and so when I make a batch of cookies or muffins, I put the extras in the freezer. One, so we don't sit there and eat the entire batch, um, but also because then if somebody comes over, I don't have to worry about baking something the day of. I can pull it out, and, and they thaw, and they taste, they taste fresh. Um, or two, um, you know, we've got a family who's, who's in need right now, and I don't have to be scrambling to think, okay, I, I need to run to the store to get this or this or this. I can pull something out of the freezer and meet a quick 
need. Um, so think about ways that you can make it easier for yourself. What can you keep on hand? What can you keep in your freezer? Um, yeah, so one of the ways, I know, I know Sarah Kleinschman is really good about this. When she, when she makes a meal that's easily doubled, a pot of soup, um, a pasta bake, um, pot pie, you know, chicken pot pie, she makes an extra, and she puts it in the freezer. So that's an idea that I've adopted as well. And so um, when I make something like that, I put it in the freezer. And, you know, God's timing is perfect because it seems like the moment that I've made that, something arises that week, and I'm like, hey, I can do it, and I can feel free to, to give that give that away. Um, so I know you guys have all kinds of ideas, think meals that are your go-to. So I just want us to take a few minutes, um, and I want you to talk to people and say, okay, what's your go-to meal that's budget-friendly, easy to prep, that you can make pretty much on a whim? Um, so we have some ideas. We can leave with a few extra ideas for meals um, when we have people over. So talk to each other, and I challenge you, one person in your group, choose one of the meals that someone else said or your own and come up and write it on the board and put that person's name next to it because then you can take a picture of it with your phone or you can write it down and say, hey, I'm going to call Gail. I want that recipe. Or that sounds really good and easy. You know, Can you share that with me? So take a few minutes and then send somebody up to write a couple. And when you shout them out, tell, tell whose recipe it was. So if it sounds good, you can text them later. So anybody want to share? What's your go-to, go-to meal? Absolutely. Anybody have any other different ideas? You got it. Yep. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. They can go a long way, right? And it's easy to make ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah. With, and with soup, too, I found, like, you can extend it with extra beans or pasta or, you know, something like that to make it go further without breaking the bank. And so, yeah, good, good. Well, by all means, share ideas with each other. You know, we're always looking for something. Um, let's, let's move on to our next uh, excuse <laughs> um, that, I, that I hope when you leave here you won't see it as an excuse but an opportunity. It's hospitality with crazy kids right? Um, we all know how difficult life can be with little kids around. Um, and before I get into the heart of that, like, remember that it doesn't have to be a big meal. Uh, with little kids, Sarah and I were talking the other night, and it's, sometimes it's easier to do dessert or snacks with little kids so that they can run around and they can have fun, and you have a little more time to, to catch up with people. Because let's be honest, one of my goals when I'm hosting with my kids is to have five minutes of uninterrupted conversation, <laughs> and it doesn't always happen, right? Um, but when you make it easy for the kids to play and they're not sitting at the table forever, then you can enjoy enjoy the adult company a little bit more. Um, but my challenge to you is to embrace the crazy of the season um, and have people over anyway. Yeah, it's hard. Um, I'm not going to lie. It's hard, and I know I can't be the only one who's had kids melt right before um, <laughs> somebody comes over or in the middle of dinner. You know, it's, it's hard, but it's worth it because you're sharing, you're sharing authentic life with people. Um, 
I know it teaches, teaches our kids the importance of having people over, and we have to have a, a, broad, um, a broad view. What do I want my kids to do when they're adults? Why not start now? Why not get them used to the idea of it's normal for you to have people in your home? It's normal to share. Oh, oh man. <laughs> it's normal to share. It's good to share, right? <laughs> Members of our CG will um, testify that my kids are still learning that. Um, I don't think it will be anytime soon. Um, but I'm seeing the fruit of that. Um, Audrey, uh, has. we were talking one day about um, we were going to pray for Aaliyah and her family, and, and she was asking me why. And I said, well, you know, Aaliyah and her family don't know Jesus, and we want them to know Jesus. And she looks right at me, and she says, Mommy, can we have Aaliyah over for supper? Can she come to our house so we can tell her about Jesus? And, of course, your heart just melts, right? But it shows she's getting it. She's getting it. Um, it's also been really good to watch my kids in their desire to have people over and in their comfort with having people over. I know it doesn't always look like that. Um, those of you who have been around my kids, they cling. Uh, usually I spend the first 45 minutes of community group with three children on my lap. And um, while, it's, <laughs> while it's frustrating, I have to remember that it's good. And they won't always do that. And I should try to cherish it, right? <laughs> and so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> but, so, so it's good. It's good for our kids. It's also an opportunity of grace and teaching for not only our kids, but for our guests, too. Um, your guests will completely understand if they have kids, too, right? I mean, everybody's kid has had a tantrum or a meltdown at the table. Everybody's kid has fought and has pulled on the wagon, you know, from opposite ends. Um, so we get it, and there's grace in that. We love each other by, by being patient with our kids. Um, if, your kid, if your guests don't yet have children, you're setting an example for them. You're showing them that sometimes reality is, is this, and you can kind of break the, <laughs> the illusion a little bit. Um, yeah, and, and if they don't ever have children, I, I know I have felt like kind of the... I know sometimes it's self-imposed, but sometimes there is a little bit of judgment, like, my kid will never do that, or why aren't you handling that? Um, and it's okay. You know, um, we have to remember who, who we're serving and who we're seeking to please, and we need to stick to um, teaching our kids in the moment. So it's still a lesson in grace for ourselves, and hopefully our guests will see that too. Um, I think, too, um, the biggest thing that it can be is a picture of the gospel, um, especially for unbelievers. Uh, the way that we interact with our kids is a wonderful example of the way that God interacts with us, right? Um, the way we extend grace, the way we extend um, patience and love, the way we value them as, as humans, as individuals, the way we disciple them, discipline them away from other people um, to maintain um, their integrity, um, to not embarrass them, can be a picture of, of the gospel. Not only is it a picture of the gospel for unbelievers, but it's also really encouraging for other Christian parents to see, hey, I'm, I'm in the trenches too. It's good for me to see that I'm not the only one who is dealing with these issues. And so, um, yeah, try not to be discouraged by your kids when you have people over, but see it as an opportunity to show them good things, and also to show others um, a picture of the gospel. Um, some of the things that 
have helped Brian and me um, is to talk about like what our what our boundaries are or what we're going to do in certain situations with our kids because it's inevitable, right? Audrey's going to refuse to eat her vegetables or Benjamin's going to be upset because someone took a toy um, or Caleb's just going to completely melt because he's starving, <laughs> you know? So um, what are you going to let slide? Think about, think about the situation um, and act accordingly, plan accordingly. For example, with community group, we don't let a lot of things slide because it's a week in, week out thing and we want our kids to understand like, just because our community group is here, that doesn't mean that you get to get away with X, Y, or Z. But one thing that we do slide on is bedtime, right? Yeah, they may be a little more tired, they may start to melt at the end of the night, but getting to play with their kids is good especially for my kids who are so, <laughs> so reserved. It's good for them to have that interaction and to see um, Christian adults mingling and talking and sharing. They're hearing those conversations. They're hearing us share our hearts. So bedtime slips on CG nights. Um, when we're having people over, we kind of let the vegetable thing slide a little bit because we want them to remember that it's about fellowship. It's not about mom made me sit at the table for two hours while everybody else got to play because I was distracted and didn't want to eat my broccoli. Um, when we have people like Aaliyah and her family over who aren't believers, we let some of the other things slide just a little bit, you know? We, we don't want the focus of the night to be, what are they doing in the study? <laughs> why, why is Audrey crying? And, you know, because we do. We do discipline our children privately, but so we're not going to push some of the same things that we would push with, with you guys because we want, um, we want the night to be focused on our guests and, and, our, and our unbelieving friends. Um, and one of the things I've, I've kind of alluded to it, but one of the things that has been really helpful for us is disciplining our children apart from the group um, because then I don't feel pressure to respond a certain way based on what I think somebody else wants me to do. And it also um, helps to not embarrass my kids. And so, um, And then we prepare our kids too. I remember Benjamin was little and screaming about a toy, and it just clicked, like, hey, buddy, when they leave, that toy is still going to be yours. It's still going to stay at our house. They're not taking it home. And he immediately calmed down. In his little mind, he had thought, like, because I'm letting them play with this truck, that means they're going to take it home with them, and it's not going to be mine anymore. So just talking to your kids and saying, hey, when your friends come over, this is what's going to happen, and this is what mommy and daddy ex expect. And our mantra is, you love other people more than you love your toys. You love other people more than you love things, and hopefully one day it'll sink in one day. Um, one other thing that we, we do to help our kids is, uh, is to let them participate in the prep work. Um, it doesn't always work, and it's not always easy, but maybe they can set the table. Audrey and Benjamin really like to sit on the counter and, um, and help make things with me. I know that's not the case for everybody, so if there's a way that you can involve your kids, make, have them take ownership of it. You know, let them see that this is a whole family thing. Um, yeah, and so try to see see hosting with little kids as an opportunity rather than um, a burden to be born or something to just wait until later. And the last thing um, that I want to talk about is the excuse of a messy house. We've all been there, right? <laughs> my house is currently in a state of disarray. Um, but I have to remember that my house is lived in and that the purpose of having people over is to share my heart with them, not let them wonder if I have a cleaning lady. Um, I remember... <laughs> 
Mallory coming over. I had cleaned up a little bit more than I typically do for Alexa's baby shower. And Mallory walked in the door and she goes, really, Amanda, really? This is the standard that you're setting that we all have to like attain to? I'm like, okay. So um, letting others see, I think, was it, was it you, Megan, or who, who was it that said earlier? Letting others see the imperfections makes them more comfortable to have, have people in your own home. So the pile of dishes, those are for you, Mallory. <laughs> um, yeah, so let people know it's okay. You can be real. Um, Candy Campbell, I, this is secondhand advice from Candy Campbell, and it's, it's sage, and it um, just makes me feel more at ease. Really, the only thing you need to do to make your house ready for guests is to make sure the toilet's flushed. <laughs> so... I think, I think that's good. Um, <laughs> yeah, sets the bar really low, right? Uh, nobody can get out of hosting <laughs> if that's the bar. Um, but also, uh, you know, hosting has helped me first be okay with the imperfections, um, changed my heart to see it's what it's really about. Um, but two, it's also given me just kind of a, a mental checklist. What are, what are a few things that you can do in 10 minutes before guests get over, um, come over to make your house a little more presentable, but it doesn't have to be in a constant state of clean and picked up. And, and for me, um, when swiping down the bathroom, or at least the toilet, it's sweeping up extra crumbs because we have a ton of those right now. And um, it's doing a quick clutter sweep, right? Um, it's uh, utilizing baskets to make everything look a little more organized. Papers in the kitchen, in a basket, toys in baskets. It's really easy to just sweep and throw them away. Um, find your hiding places. Do you have a, a closet? The dryer? My mom puts things in the oven. Um, everything looks better when the counter's clean, right? <laughs> so... Yeah, and, and know that it's okay to have boundaries. I know that um, some women feel like when they have, when you have people over to your home that your entire home is open to your guests, and that's not true. It's your home, but you can decide where you want people to go, so it's okay to close doors. It's okay to say, this is our guest bathroom, and, and your private bathroom is, is off limits if you have more than one. It's okay to set those boundaries, and I think that can help us feel a little more comfortable with letting people in our homes. And the last thing is just to be realistic with your stage of life. Um, for us right now, it's little kids. And so I need to give myself a lot of grace and, and remember um, that your attitude and your heart, your atmosphere is going to set a lot more for the tone of the evening than a clean home. Um, so I, I hope that you walk away from here encouraged to remember that it's about your heart. It's not about the way your house looks. It's not about what you cook. Um, and remember to, to uh, shift your focus to the relationships rather than the details and the excuses. Give yourself grace and just give it a try. If it's something new, just give it a try. And so um, Jen Wilkin says hospitality is a means by which we imitate our infinitely hospitable God. What grace we've been given, let's share that grace with each other. So let us pray. Father, we thank you for being our Redeemer. We thank you for being so hospitable to us. We pray that we um, can love you well as we serve those around us. May you be glorified um, as we go out today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.